Turn to the book of James, chapter number one. James, chapter number one. And you should have, uh, you should, uh, if you did not have a handout, I think we have a few in the back there. So if you raise your hand, they'll, get, they'll grab you one. Uh, we're dealing with strategy for word time. Strategy for word time. And we're trying to give you some tools and a game plan for your time with God. And as you approach the scripture and as you begin to study your Bible, uh, there are some things that we got to keep in mind. So we've come down to this portion on application, which again is what we come to when the rubber meets the road. James chapter number one, and what we'll do is we'll start at verse uh, number 19, verse number 19, James chapter one, verse number 19, glory to God. The text says here, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Men, uh, the next verse says what? Uh, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. Any of y'all got some filth and evil in your life? <laughs> if you do, let's get rid of it, okay? Uh, and humbly accept the word of God, and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Verse 22, it says this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. Amen? You must, okay, let's go back. Let's, 22 one more time it says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. 23, it says, for if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. 24, you see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. All right. We don't want to do that. We don't want to look in the mirror of God's word and allow the word to show us ourselves, Brenda. And then we leave. Amen. And forget what the word showed us about ourselves. Here's what I've discovered. And maybe you, you, as you observe life and your interaction and your relationship with people, here's one thing I've observed. It's far easier for me, as well as it is you, to look in the mirror of the word and see what that word shows you about somebody else, isn't it? It's much easier to look at the word. Yeah, child, that fits her right there. You know, she need to hear. She should have heard that sermon. Ooh, I wish I'm gonna get her a, a DVD and a CD. <laughs> well, well, it's easy for us to point out the faults in others' lives, but it's much harder for us to do that self-examination that Corinthians told us we need to do. Examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine or not. Second Corinthians 13 chapter told us right. We got to examine our faith to see if it's genuine or not. So James, as he writes this text, as he writes this letter, says, you see yourself, you walk away and forget what you look like. That's what a person who looks in the mirror of the word sees themselves and then walks away and don't do what the word says do. Now, we, we left off last week uh, on giving you some things and we talked about uh, what, why application is important. We said application is necessary for our lives because you can't really get to know the word of God unless you apply it to your life. Second thing we said, studying the word of God can be dangerous if you just study it without applying it. Is that correct? Okay. 
Uh, because again, if you just study it and you don't apply it, knowledge, the Bible says, puffs up. And we'll get, we'll get the big head. Y'all know what the big head means, right? You think you're all that, but you're really not. Okay? So studying the word of God can be dangerous if you study it without applying it. You get puffed up in knowledge. You, uh, knowledge required. It's this Bible study without application can be dangerous because knowledge requires action. And third, we said Bible study without application can be dangerous because knowledge increases responsibility. Okay? So again, uh, the, the third thing under reason why application necessary, we said, was that application enables us to operate our lives in the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot live this Christian life. Hear me very carefully. You cannot live this Christian life successfully and effectively apart from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Don't, 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 don't you forget that your intellect, your willpower, you're just, mm, I'm going to do it. It's not going to cut it. You need the power of the Holy Spirit moving and operating and you yielding your will to the Holy Spirit's will, okay? We got to have it. Uh, number four, we said both the Old and New Testament exhort us to do so, to apply it. We need to apply the commands of Scripture so we can become obedient followers of Christ. Now, before I go into this next section, I want to just kind of bring you up to speed from your thinking standpoint. You know, the Bible teaches us that we cannot be disciples of Jesus Christ if we do not have a regular intake of the word of God. Being disciples or disciplined ones is crucially important for the church because if we have a church full of baby Christians, then our church will not be effective in impacting the community with the cause of Christ. We've been given a mandate to advance kingdom principles. And again, remember we talked about the kingdom of God is the will of God. The kingdom agenda of God is the visible demonstration of God's comprehensive rule in every area of our life. In other words, guys, uh, when I'm on social media, I, I need to be mind, reminded that, that God's rulership in my life should be demonstrated in what I like on social media. So if a social media post pops up with a, with a, with a, a lady in a bikini, scantily dressed, and, 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 and you liking it, brother, or sister, you liking this dude, Dress scantily, or what's the what's those guys that go around the Chippendale dancers? Y'all know what? Don't look at me like you don't know who, who the Chippendale dancers are, huh? And you going on 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 the Chippendale dancer site, liking it, and, and you might you remember at EBC. Some stuff we got to realize that when we do that, other people are watching us in the social media arena. Arena, yeah. <laughs> Arena. And so you out there liking stuff, you out there loving stuff, out there commenting on stuff that, that does not glorify God. Hello? And so, so you can't become a disciple, a disciplined one, if you're not advancing kingdom agenda principles in every area of your life. Are you listening to me? If you're going and buying stuff that's hot, not that any of y'all would do that, but if you're going and buying stuff you know is stolen and then talking about God gave you a deal, God did not give you a deal. Are you listening to me? I'm, I'm telling you what Christians will rationalize in their mind because when you go and do that, 
It's a poor testimony for you as a believer and you're not going to become a disciplined one. Jesus told the church to go and make disciples. And, and, and the disciple-making process is, is, is very uh, lacking in the majority of our churches today. So that's why I'm, I'm always encouraging and I'm always uh, exhorting each one of you all to commit yourself to the discipling process because if you don't yield your will to God's will and, and want to and become a learned one, you will not be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Everybody still tracking with him? So, so again, the Bible teaches us that we cannot be disciples of Jesus Christ if we do not have a regular intake of the word of God. On one occasion, y'all remember in John, go to John, the eighth chapter, verse 31 and 32 right quick. John 8, the gospel according to St. John, the eighth chapter, verse number 31 and 32. Talking about strategy for word time. This, this last component, we talked about observation. We talked about interpretation, right? And then we talked about correlation, right? And now we're dealing with application. We have to observe the text, understand what's going on in the text, have to come to a point where we interpret what's going on in the text, and then we have to correlate that with other scripture because scripture supports scripture, and then we have to uh, provide application. We got to do some of this stuff. John 8 and 31 says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Can we read that out loud on purpose? You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Verse number 32. Let's go. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Amen. The KJV says you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. The truth of God's word will produce freedom in our lives. But he says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. But again, how are you going to know the truth? Back at the verse number 31. Jesus said to the people who, are, who believed in him, who, he said to the people who believed in him, right? He said to the people who believed in him, which means that you can believe in Jesus and not be classified as a disciple. Is that what they're saying? Come on, come on, Bible studies. Let's observe the text. Who's talking? Who's talking here? Jesus is, okay? If you have a red letter edition Bible, it'll be in red. Every time you read something red in your red letter edition Bible, that's Jesus talking. Jesus says here, he's talking to the people who believe in him. He says, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Who is he talking to? Let's Who's he talking to? He's talking, he's talking to the people who believe in him. Now, again, that's what I'm saying. It's possible to believe in him and not be a disciple. Because otherwise, he wouldn't have said this to the people who believe in him. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Look at verse 32. Let's read it. It says what? And you will know the truth and the truth will set you or make you free. When you look back throughout history, the history of the church, you'll find that the common denominator of every great man and woman of God is that they knew the scriptures and spent consistent, regular time with the Lord and his word. You know, on, on, on Sunday mornings, we start a series entitled Be Still and Know. 
and that and we came from the 46th number of Psalms, be still and know that I am God. And a lot of Bible scholars believe that uh, Jehoshaphat's music minister wrote that uh, psalm in response to God's faithfulness in delivering uh, the children of Judah uh, from, from being slaughtered by the enemy who had surrounded them. Are you listening to me? Be still and know that I am God. See, there are some things that we as Christians have to know. We can't guess. We can't, we can't have trepidation about it. We can't be wavering back and forth. We got to know some stuff. Are you listening to me? And the only way we're going to know some stuff is we got to get into the book and find out some stuff. God has given his word to us. He's laid it out, his principles, his commands, and his precepts. He's given them to us so that we can understand who he is and understand his nature and his character. How many of y'all work with people who, because you spent time with them, you know you can count on them to do a certain thing in the job, whereas this other guy over here, you can't really count on him to do it. Do y'all have those people that work who you know, I don't, if, I, if nobody else is going to come in early get this help get this done and stay late, I know John will. Bill, I don't know about him. Because you spent time with them and you know their character and their makeup. What God is trying to get us to do is, is to spend time with him and through his word, he'll reveal himself to us. Be still and know that I am God. When you know that God is faithful, when you know that he'll supply your need, when you know he's your healer, when you know he's your kinsman redeemer, when you know that knowledge will spur you to act in a certain way. Can I get a witness? If you know that God loves you and he's not going to just kill you because you messed up, then you can come and receive your forgiveness. Can I get a witness? So, so he wants us to become disciplined one of disciples. Because what do we say every Sunday? We, we're believing God that we're going to become disciple believers who consistently walk in the ways of God and have kingdom impact where in our homes, in our schools where we attend, the jobs that we work at, and the community at large. And we want to reflect our faith. To reflect something means that people can see my faith in me. When they see my faith in me, that means it's more than just hearing me talk about it. Remember I told you, I said, at some point in time, we got to, we got to, we got to, get from just verbalizing our faith and we got to see that faith being manifested in our everyday life. In other words, it needs to be seen. The Bible says on one occasion, Jesus saw their faith. So your faith can be seen. Although faith is the substance thing hoped for, the evidence of thing not seen, the very fact that you have faith can be seen in what you do. All right? Is everybody still with you? So we want to become those disciple believers who consistently walk in the ways of God. Okay. So, so again, but, but, but think about this for a second. When you look back through history, I told you the history of the church, all those great men and women of God had this common denominator was that they knew the scriptures and they spent consistent, regular time with the Lord and his word. But now with all the available tools and technology that we have at our disposal today, we got iPads. How many of y'all got an iPad with you? They've got a Bible on it. You got iPhones, you got, you got computers, you got, you got you 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 actually have you know programs that are designed to help you do research, amen, biblical research at ten times the rate that you could have done it 20, 20 years ago. 
And so the research time can be shortened, but people still aren't getting to the word of God. Are y'all listening to me? Uh, we live in an age of biblical illiteracy. Biblical illiteracy, even among those who profess Christ as personal savior and are regular church attendees. Why is it that most Christians don't study the word of God? Well, there are a lot of reasons that, that can come into play with that, but, but there are but three, common, three common reasons. Number one, people don't know how to. That's why we're talking about strategies for word time. One, the number one reason why people don't study the Bible is because they don't know how to. Okay? People don't know how to. And maybe they're in a church that preaches Jesus went to the cross, Calvary died for your sins, was buried and resurrected the third day morning with all power in his hand. And they know that, but beyond that, they don't get into strategy for living. Jesus, him crucified, will always be the thing that gets men saved. But practical Bible preaching and teaching is what's going to advance men in, 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 in the kingdom agenda. If I don't have that, then, uh, and I'm stuck at a church where there's not much teaching going on, not much discipling going on, then I'm going to be, I'm going to be stunted in my growth, spiritually speaking. And that's what was happening to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church, Paul said, you guys are babes in Christ. There are some things I want to talk to you about. There are some things I want to share with you that's of a higher, deeper nature, uh, the wisdom of God's word, but I can't share it with you because you're still spiritual babies. You can't even handle it. Are you listening to me? So, uh, so, so people don't know how to study the Bible. That's one reason why. Number two is they're not motivated. Sometimes people, we have to be honest, they're just not motivated. And, that, and sometimes that's because they haven't experienced the joy that comes from personally discovering truths from the word of God. Have you ever been uh, in, into your word? And, and again, it always amazes me how God does this, how God will, God will give you something out of a passage that you've read for the past 15 years. And for those past 15 years, you never saw that truth, that nugget that was buried in there. But as you are studying, as you're meditating, as you're depending on the Holy Spirit to bring the revelation, all of a sudden something that popped up on you. Man, I never saw that before. Has that ever happened to anybody besides me? I mean, in the Holy Spirit, amen, let me tell you something. You never, you will never be able to discover all the richness that's embedded in God's word. God's always got new revelation. When I say new revelation, revelation that when you think you know something, God will show you something else out of that. He just, it's, it's kind of like when he pulled fish out of fish and bread out of bread. He pulled revelation out of revelation, Amen. Can I get a witness? And so, so, so sometimes people are not motivated because they, they never really experienced, amen, God's word being revealed to them and discovering those truths. And so they're not motivated to get into the word. And third, third reason why people don't study the Bible, they just, they just flat out doggone lazy. Can I say it again? I know that's not grammatically correct, but, and I know how to speak grammatically correct, but I'm going to say it from an ebonic type nature. They flat out doggone lazy. Y'all listen to me. We have some lazy Christians. Because Bible study, guys, can be hard work. There are no shortcuts to it. You can't buy the uh, cliff notes to the Bible and know everything about it by, by just reading a few pages. Amen. It's just like anything else in life that's truly worthwhile. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes concentration. And it takes persistence. If it's worthwhile. Can I get a witness? 
if it's worthwhile. Men, if, if you're going out to a sister and <sighs> let me see how to put this. If you if 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 you're going after a sister and 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 your first date, you in her bed, something ain't right. Dead cat on the line somewhere. I mean, y'all just met last week. Hello? So you anything that's valuable, anything that's 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 solid and worthwhile, it's gonna take some time and some effort. She ought to make you work. Can somebody give me one amen up in here? Glory to God. Sisters, come on now. If he comes on the first date and he's got octopus hands like somebody we know. I'm talking a very famous person. Some of y'all will catch it on the way home. <laughs> he's all over you on the first date. You ought to be saying, something ain't right. This dude doesn't have enough respect for me. And we just met last week. And this is our first date. And he's trying to slip his hand up my skirt. That means he doesn't value you. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. Bible study is hard work. And there are no shortcuts to it. You all let teach know that because... You got to put the time in. But here's what I've discovered. When you put the time in, when you're diligent, when you when you study God's word and you concentrate and you persistent, man, when those nuggets of truth jump off the page and get inside of your spirit, that revelation knowledge just excites you and makes you want to study more. Because God is trying to teach us about himself and we're going to know more about him when we spend time with him. Many great truths of the word of God, they don't lie on, the, on, on top of the ground. Amen. We got to dig for them. Everybody say dig for them. Just as gold might be found at the bottom of, of a gold mine and, or a pearl at the bottom of a sea, so do the deeper truths of God's word must be searched for with diligence. Everybody say diligence. Go to Hebrews 6 chapter. I, I ran across this and y'all have heard this, but I want, to see it again. I want you to see it again. Hebrews 6 chapter verse number 10. Talking about strategy for word time. We're in the application phase, and I'll, we'll get to those four steps to practical application in just a minute here. Hebrews, the sixth chapter. Glory to God. I, you know, I get excited about the word. Some, you know, I get excited about the word, and, and I thank God for revelation knowledge. Hebrews, the sixth chapter. And let's, uh, uh, I tell you what, let's start, if, if you will, let's start at verse number Verse number nine, verse number nine, verse number nine. Hebrews, the sixth chapter, verse number nine. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we really don't believe it applies to you. We're confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. Verse 10. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Okay, for God is not unjust. Okay, He will not forget how hard you have worked for Him 
and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. All right? Now, verse number 11, let's go. It says what? Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Will come true. Verse 12, let's read it. It says what? Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Now back at the 11 right quick. Let's go back. Verse 11. Sorry for working you up there, brother. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. If you don't learn how to love people, you'll never really want to minister to people. Because love, agape, God kind of love will drive us to to, want to help people. But if you're not allowing the agape love of God to permeate in your heart, then you'll you'll be just just as cool as as a cucumber on your way to heaven, not stutting nobody else. That's an old school term, stutting. In other words, you know you saved, but when you see somebody or meet somebody who's not saved, then that's not that burning desire to try to reach that person for the cause of Christ. Are y'all listening to me? And so what God is trying to do is get us to that point. He says, our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts. Read on. It says what? Uh, in order that to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Amen? Verse number 12. Let's read it for good measure. You will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Go to the KJV on verse number 12. That's, that verse uh, is crucially important. I'm going to read a few verses that follow. Verse 12 says, that you be not slothful. What's another word for slothful? Lazy, okay. Now, he's talking to the church, and he's telling the church, that I don't want you to be slothful. Guys, I thank God for you guys being here, and, and, and I know it's sort of like preaching to the choir sometimes, but, but you guys are here and you're making the sacrifice. Sometimes it's a sacrifice to get here on Wednesday. All right, you worked all day, right? I mean, it's, it's somewhat of a sacrifice. I mean, in the broad scope of things, uh, to come t- for corporate study uh, requires some diligence on your part because it's too easy to go home and watch your favorite Wednesday night program. Is that right? It's too easy to, to get off work, cook a little something, something, and sit down and eat and say, well, foot, I think I'm going to skip this week tonight. But you're here tonight, right? And when you, if you come here on Sunday, there are going to be a lot more people here on Sunday than there is tonight, isn't it? Right? Now, is the same word coming on Wednesday as, as Sunday? Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, on Wednesday, we do a little bit more uh, in-depth Bible study. And on Sundays, we're going to, here's what I believe the Lord is telling me, that we're going to start, we're going to go through the Bible and and give you a a good, solid, biblical overview of the entire scriptures. And we're going to go through that and we're going to talk through it and we're going to point out what God is trying to say in these different books of the Bible. Because I think it's important for us to know this and to understand this because we can't know him without knowing him. You can't know me unless you get to know me. And I would suffice to say 
that probably my wife knows me better than anybody in this room. Better than my mom and my dad because my mom and dad gave birth to me, but I've been out of their house ever since I was 22. And if you count college, well, I was still in the house in college, but uh, I, I was 22 when I got married. So all of my adult life, I've been away from their home. So do you think I would have, I, I've changed over the past 32 years? Probably so, right? Let me ask you, have you changed over the past however long you've been out of your mom and daddy's house? Would you say that there's some differences in you, right? Absolutely. And so, so my wife knows me better than my mom and dad know me because she's been with me. She, she, she's there in the same house. She sees my ups and downs. She sees, she sees everything about me. She sees me when I'm weak, when I'm strong, Right? All right, so nobody knows me better, but God does. Obviously, God does, right? And so, but but how does she get to know me? That look, look at it, right on cue. She comes in right on cue. Ain't nothing but the Holy Ghost <laughs> talking about it. She comes right on in, but she know, she knows me better than anybody else. Why? Because we spent time together. We we've been through stuff together. Come on now. I told you before, really, you don't know that you really got a true friend in the biblical sense until you have to walk through some stuff with, through a tough time with somebody. The Bible says a friend loves it at all times. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Some of us don't know what a real friend is. A real friend will tell you something that hurts your feelings. But y'all still can hug a day later after you don't got over your, your little hurt feelings. <laughs> right? Faithful of the wounds of a friend. And, and so, so a friend will know you. God, God called Moses his friend. Moses was known as the friend of God. He knew God. He got close to God. And so God says he wants us to know. Sunday, Sunday morning, be still and know that I'm God. But knowing God cannot take place without spending time with him. I, 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 for the life of me, we fool ourselves and, and all of us do it. All of us do it. All of us get to the point where we, we feel like, well, you know, I can know him. I can know him. I can just, I can, I can just, come on, give, give, me, give him about 10 minutes. 10 minutes of Bible study. I'll run the door. I got to watch TV. I got to go do this. And, 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 and next, next day, well, I ain't going to get it. You know, God, I, I don't have time today because, you know, I, I got to go to the ball game. I got to go do this. And it's amazing how we schedule God out. And we tell ourselves we don't have time to do some of this stuff that we're talking about here. But yet we find time to do the stuff that we want to do. Can I get one by one body, one somebody to say, I know what you're talking about, Pastor. Right. So, 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 look at what it says here. Watch this, watch this. And I got to get to... I, these last four steps to practical application here because, you know, my time is about out. <laughs> you know, sometimes I don't know where this stuff comes from. I knew where it comes from. The Holy Spirit says, go there. All right, when he says, go there, I go there. So, y'all just excuse these Wednesday night Bible study series. You, you know, we, we got all year to study, so. <laughs> all right, I'll try to be more disciplined, okay? But watch this. He says that you be not slothful which y'all told me that means lazy, right? 
But now watch what it says here. He's, he's encouraging. But be followers of them who through what? Faith and patience inherit the promises. So he says, follow those who through how? Faith and patience inherit the promises, God's promises. It, Cassandra, it, it, it requires faith and patience. Someone said, well, I got faith, but do you have patience? Because sometimes we'll turn loose our faith if we don't see it working in a time period that we deemed it should have worked. I just I say it all the time. He may not come when you want him, but he's, do you believe that? Well, if you believe that, then why are you worrying? Why are you, why are you whining and pining if you believe that he, he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time? If I know that he's going to come when he needs to come, then that means that I cease from worrying because I know God got it. We'll see on Sunday, what did, that, what, what did the young man tell Joseph and them? Listen, don't, don't be dismayed. The battle is not yours, but it belongs to God. And if you know the battle belongs to God, God can whoop any and everybody. Do you, do you, do you realize that? Because he got all power in heaven up in his hand. So that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Go, go with me right quick. Um, Y'all know Hebrews 11 and 6 where it says, but without faith it's impossible to please God. That he that cometh to God must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So many of the great truths of the Bible, of the word of God, you got to dig for them because it's valuable. And like, like I gave you an example of relationships. And listen, uh, lady, if you're valuable, he, he needs to be willing to work for you. He needs to be willing to, to commit to you. He needs to be willing to, uh, to put a ring on your finger before he tries to stay in your house. Guys, something, something is, is really is perturbing me because I see believers who've lowered their standards. And a disciple can't afford to back off of what God's word says. I see some, some parents who've, who've lowered their standard with their children. Hmm? Can I, you know, say for instance, if you got a, a, a high schooler who you allow to date, okay, and let's say the son comes over, I mean the, the boyfriend comes over to the house or the girlfriend comes over to the house, why would you let the boy and the girl go to the room and shut the door at your house? When you know how you was when you were 17 and 18. See, you ain't that old. Your body still remember. <laughs> you 55, you 60, but you ain't dead. Hello. I got some 70-year-olds who will tell me, I ain't dead. <laughs> had, a, had, a, had a brother tell me that? From a church that we visited, he's about 73, 74. He said, Yeah. He said, he talk, he said uh, You know, 
He's talking about those ladies wearing no, you, what, I ain't going to go into all that, but what, what, what he told me was he ain't dead. So you remember, so why set, why set the, the, the atmosphere, the plate for sin to happen? It's, it's tough enough when the, when, the, when, the, when the plate ain't set, but you going to help set it? No, y'all stay right there in the living room and watch TV. What are you going to do? Play the phone, and you, you, can, you can take company that way. But we got, we, 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 we got to stand for what's right. Because you stand for what's right doesn't mean that you don't love the people who you're in relationship with. Okay, you coming home to visit? Okay, yeah. Your boyfriend coming with you? Okay, that's, that's cool. Uh, uh, mama, uh, you know, you know, we don't have a one bedroom. Is it okay? No, I'll tell you what we're going to do. <laughs> now, I don't know what you, see, what you do in your place, I can't control that. But if you're going to come to my house, there's a standard. I ain't going to help you sin now. You, you, if you're going to sin, you're going to do it on your own. But, but, but parents, stop, stop compromising with your children. You set a standard. If they don't like it, then they just have to find their own place. That's cool. I mean, they, when they have their own place, you, all you can do is pray for them then that they would make righteous choices. But, but I told y'all this before and I'll say it again. You know, un, until you can get as a Christian in covenant relationship, it, it, to me it is disrespectful and, and not godly for you just to stay together when you know what the word of God says. We're talking about application. This is the application stage. And God, the Bible, nowhere talks about being together without covenant relationship. Am I, it, it, uh, uh, some of y'all, some of y'all look at me like, well, you must be talking about my child. I don't know about, about your child. I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you what the word of God says. And what I'm telling you is as your pastor, as long as I'm preaching here, I'm going to stay with the word. I'm going to keep encouraging everybody to get engaged and connected with discipleship training. You, 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 if, you don't, if you get tired of here, you might well leave now and I'll give you your letter. But I'm going to encourage you to do what's right. Guys, we got, we can't, we can't, we cannot pull away from the word of God. See, when we know God and, and, and his true essence, then, then we know that it hurts the heart of God when we allow sin to run rampant. So we got to set a standard in this house. You got to set a standard in your house. And, and don't, 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 don't say one thing here and do something else there. I mean, we we fighting, you know, as, as, as bad as it is, we fighting the enemy and 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 perceptions and that type of thing already. Don't don't just give the devil a you know a, a heyday, a field day in your life. Let's be disciple, disciplined ones, okay? So four four steps. Uh, one other scripture. Let me let me give you a go, go to Second Peter one and ten, and I want to look at Proverbs ten and four, and then we got we got to get these four steps to practical application. Uh, 2 Peter 1 and 10, if you can pop that up real quick for me. Glory to God. It says, so dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you, are real, that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. I just want to throw it out there. Dear brothers and sisters, work hard. 
Work with diligence to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. All right. Look at Proverbs 10 and 4. Proverbs 10 and 4. And then we'll make our way on down through here. It says, lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. Go to the KJV. I like what, the way the KJV reads on this in, in Proverbs 10 and 4. Is, he becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent maketh rich. Don't become a lazy Christian, especially when it comes to time in the word. We're talking about strategy for word time. So that means that we got to block out stuff. You'd be surprised when you examine your day. And I, I do this sometimes. I look back at, you know, sometimes I'll say, you know what? I wasted a whole lot of time reading stuff, reading news stories and accounts. And, 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 and I'm not saying it's wrong to keep up what's going on, but, but if, you, if you look at every notification that you get, you'll waste half your day looking at stuff. And then at the end of the day, you'll say, I ain't have enough time. Yes, you did. You just divert that time to something else. So, guys, I'm telling you, uh, we, I want this to be, as your pastor, I desire for this to be a biblically literate church. When someone comes to you with false doctrine or teaching, I want you to be able to say, well, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, but I tell you what, do you believe the Bible is true? I tell you what, well, let, let's go over here and see what Joshua whatever says. Let's go over here and see what Jesus said when he was dealing with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Let's go see what Paul said over here in this letter to the Corinthian church. And so in, in this verse here, in this one, this is what he said. See, we, 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 I want us to be that church that, that knows, amen, biblical doctrine and can't be confused by people who talk smooth. See, a lot of that stuff that's going on and being talked about now is not going to amount to a hill of beans. You know what the word did for you. You know what God's spirit has done for you, how it changed your life. Then you stand boldly upon your faith. But having that knowledge will help you. So four steps to practical application because we got to do this stuff. We don't want to be known as a church that comes and have good service, you know, good singing, praise dancing and all that. But then don't nobody know anything. And we're not living anything. Okay. Sin needs to be called out. It needs to be identified in all of our lives and we need to stomp it out. Let the word chase it out. All right, so first thing is pray for insight on how to apply the passage, okay? Ask God to help you apply the scripture you are studying and show you specifically what he wants you to do. When I'm studying something, that's why I want to know, God, how, how do I apply this? What, 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 is this? what is this saying to me, Okay. Uh, you already know that God wants you to do two things, obey his word and share it with others, right? So say, say for instance, go with me right quick. So you're going to pray for insight on how to apply this passage. Go to 1 Corinthians the 6th chapter with me right quick, verse number 1. 1 Corinthians 6 and 1. Watch this. All right, so talk about application. So now you are a believer, you're a Christian, you're in a church, and, and this has happened to churches locally and across this country. You see them violate this passage all the time. So if I'm a believer, if I'm in the church and I'm going to apply the word of God, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. Notice what he says. When one of you has a dispute with another believer, 
How dare you? Stop now. Let's, let's get back. Who's writing? Who's he writing to? The church at Corinth. He's writing to born again believers. He says, when one of you has a dispute with another believer, talking to the church at Corinth, how dare you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter instead of taking it to other believers? That's what he says. Hello? That would be like, we're here sitting here, and let's say um, Bobby got into it with Sherry about something, some business matter dealing with Sherry, so I'm going to sue you. How many of y'all know that would be wrong? Based on what this says, this says here, here's what this says. Y'all got real quiet. Maybe I should have, y'all sitting together. <laughs> let's say Bobby and Jerry, y'all, that, this, Sherry, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to, I, I was not demeaning your character. Uh, but when one of you has a dispute with another believer, how dare you file a lawsuit and ask the secular court to decide the matter instead of taking it to the other believers? How many of y'all know churches that have gone to court? Pastors, deacons, and whatever. Here's what I know. If people don't want to follow me as a pastor, I can't pastor them. So why am I going to take you to court to try to pastor you when, when, when even if you keep the building, you can't pastor people who don't want to be pastored? who are not willing to follow your leadership. He says, how dare you file a lawsuit and ask a secular court to decide the matter instead of taking it to other believers? Don't you realize that someday we believers will judge the world? And since you are going to judge the world, can't you decide even these little things among yourselves, talking to the church of Corinth? Don't you realize that we will judge angels? So you should surely be able to resolve ordinary disputes in this life. If you have legal disputes about such matters, why go to outside judges who are not respected by the church? I'm saying this to shame you. Isn't there anyone in all the church who is wise enough to decide these issues? But instead, one believer sues another right in front of unbelievers. And unbelievers are over there watching. Look at them fools over there talking about Jesus. But they in court. I mean, they're, they're ridiculing the church when this stuff happens. And it does happen. He says, even... Even to have such lawsuits with one another is a defeat for you. Why not just accept the injustice and leave it at that? Why not let yourselves be cheated? Ain't nobody going to cheat me and get away with it. Sometimes you just cut your loss and move on and say, I'm not going to use him again. I love him, but I ain't going to use him to, to do nothing around my house again. Hello? Because I here's my take. And, and y'all know my staff. I'm always cautious. I, I believe we should support all of our, our businesses that are in this church, and we do encourage that. But what, what I would tell you is, as a church, I can't endorse you and say, well, go see that guy and let you use him. I'll, I'll let you know about that guy. But I always encourage you, you make the judgment and determination as to the validity of that guy's services and product. Because here's what I, want, I don't want to happen. Because, see, when you go hire somebody from the church, and even when you're hiring, you make hiring decisions, you ought to hire people. You better make sure that person is qualified. Now, you may show them a little grace because they remember him, but when you need a job done and then that person you hired just because they were your friend or your church member and they didn't have the skill sets and they didn't have whatever, then the job is not getting done, then 
denying you, it's a little awkward, isn't it? You come to church, now you look at them crazy, but you follow me? So, so we do believe in supporting one another. That's, I'm, I'm certainly not against that. But what I'm telling you is when you make a decision, you make that decision with your best knowledge and don't do it just because they're a church member. Is that fair enough? Because if you do it just because they're a first mem- church member, then it don't work out, then now your feelings are hurt. All right? Okay. All right. Watch this. Instead, you yourselves are the ones who do wrong and cheat even your fellow believers. Number nine, verse number nine. Let's read. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge, indulge means you practice, have a practicing lifestyle of it. It's just what you do. I mean, you ain't trying to get out. You're just wallowing in it. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheap people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that. Everybody say, thank God for deliverance. Say it again. I didn't say what you were involved in, but that's, that's a whole lot of stuff right there. <laughs> that probably could trap a whole lot of us, kidding. And the church said, amen. amen. Since none of those will inherit the kingdom of God. Some of you were once like that, but you were, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. All right, so we'll stop right there. But my point is, what he was saying was, so when we, when we, when we see that scripture, and then you, both of y'all are members of the church, okay? And then both of y'all as members of the church go, go to court and sue each other. Or even the church does that, or either the pastor or the deacons get into it and, and they go to a secular judge, judge, secular judge to try to resolve a spiritual issue. Paul says, we're going to judge angels, but we can't handle disputes on this side of heaven. Come on, folks. If we do it biblically, we ought to be able to solve it. The problem happens in a lot of churches when people aren't being discipled and they don't have a biblical mindset. And you deal with people who are carnally minded, who don't have a spiritual compass, don't study their Bibles, and they're and they in charge. They're leading, they leading the deacon's ministry or teaching Sunday school class don't even believe what they're teaching. Can't do that, y'all. All right. Can't do it. All right, so, so pray for insight on how to apply the passage, okay? Meditate on the verses you have chosen to study. Meditation is the key to discovering how to apply scripture to your life. Meditation is essentially thought, that should be thought, put a T on that, thought digestion. You take the thought God gives you, put it in your mind, and think on it over and over again. Meditation can, y'all heard me say this before, meditation can be, can be maybe compared to rumination. That's what a cow does when, he, when it chews its cud. It eats some grass and sends it to its first stomach. Then it lies down, brings the grass back up, chew on it, and swallows it again. The process of digestion is repeated three times. Chew on the word, amen? Spiritual meditation is reading a passage in the Bible and then concentrating on it in different ways. That's what, that's what uh, uh, you know, in Joshua 1 and 8, God was saying this book of the law, 
shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night to observe, to do according to all that is written therein. Then you'll make your way prosperous and then you'll have good success. That's what it says. That meditation, that focusing in on it, uh, observing to do according to all that's written therein. See, the key to blessing is obedience. See, people want to pray to God, but they don't want to obey God. People want prayer requests, and they write them down, but there's, there's an element to this thing. Now, God will bless us sometimes out, out of grace and mercy when we don't know any better, but, but you've been saved 20 years, and you're still living in sin or still not doing what God told you to do, being disobedient. You can't expect God to keep blessing you when you are not being obedient. Okay? All right? So, uh, so meditation. Step number three, write out an application. Write out an application of the insights you have discovered through your meditation while you meditate in the Word. Have you, a serious Bible study will have something to write with, either uh, paper or your iPad or something where you can write some notes down. All right? Look, look, writing your application out on paper helps you to be specific. If you don't write something down, you're going to soon forget it. How many of y'all know that's true? God will give you a revelation on Tuesday. You think you're going to hold it to Sunday? You'll be on forgotten by time. You know, I, I, ooh, what was that? Ooh, that was good, but I, I don't forgot it. Write it down. Amen? Uh, this is particularly true, necessary when you're dealing with a spiritual truth. If you can't put it down on paper, you haven't really thought it through. It's been proven that if you write something down, you remember it longer and be able to express to others what you have learned. Uh, step number four, memorize a key verse from your study. That's, that's scripture memorization is something we got to get back to. And I know we did it for a period of time, but we'll get back to giving you a scripture memory, memory verse so that it can exercise your mind as you do that. So scripture memorization. So uh, what happens when application is overlooked, when we don't apply it? Well, doctrine becomes dry and lifeless. In other words, without application, none of the subjects that we study will make a difference in how you live. Y'all with me? The doctrine may bounce around in our heads for a while, but it falls flat when our lives don't change for the better. Number two, we substitute rationalization for repentance. If we don't apply God's word we hear what the scriptures are saying, but we aren't convicted. We'll rationalize our behavior away. Well, you know, um, you know, he came at me the wrong way, Pastor. And I just, you know, I, you know, where I'm from, you don't take none of that. <laughs> so yeah, I cussed him out. I ain't saying. And here's what people, people, people. I've heard people tell me this. Yeah, I ain't gonna lie to you, Pastor. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell the truth, but I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna say what I say. Yeah, I cussed him. Okay, okay, I'm glad that you're honest, but somewhere in, inside of that should be, I did it, I was repent, I was remorseful, and I, don't, I felt bad, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit, I don't want to do it again, Pastor. Someone just tell me, I'm gonna, I'm, I, yeah, yeah, Pastor, I'm going to tell you what I did, I, I'm going I'm to be truthful, I'm going to tell you, he's going to lie, but I'm going to tell it. I appreciate you being honest and not lying to me, but what I want to hear is, I was convicted by the Holy Spirit. I just read that, that passage of scripture that told me not to do that and I, I, I'm hurting and I'm ashamed that I did that. Because he can't make you, she can't make you do that. Sin comes out of our hearts. Amen? 
Are y'all with me? All right, so, so again, let's wrap this up. All right, so doctrine becomes dry and lifeless. We substitute rationalization for repentance. In other words, don't, don't rationalize your behavior away. Repent. The word repent means what? Turn away from. And lastly, we think emotional experiences replace an intentional decision. Listen to that. This is what happens when application is overlooked. We think emotional experiences replace an intentional decision. In other words, we come to church on Sunday, and man, the, as we say, the spirit was high, man, the choir was, the, the choir was off the chain. We were lifting up holy hands, folk were crying all over the place, and, and, and just, you know, just, oh, just weeping before the Lord. But then Tuesday came around, and you forgot about that emotional experience. When it, on Sunday, when you were crying, you were like, God, I'm going to do better. I promise you I'm going to do better. <laughs> Get all choked up. I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't making fun of you, but we, we, we get all choked up. I get choked up sometimes. I'm up here crying like a, like a baby. <laughs> but if you don't apply the word of God, what, what ends up happening is your, those emotional experiences will begin and take the place of intentional decisions. So once you stop crying, once you stop blowing snot, once you get up off the canvas, you got to make an intentional decision to do what you were just taught. Okay? An intentional decision to say, I, I don't even feel it, but I'm going to do it anyhow. Because I was just taught it. It was properly exegeted. It was hermeneutically implied, applied from the, from the example that pastor gave me. And so I'm going to be obedient even though I don't feel it. That's an intentional decision. That's saying, I'm going to do what the word says even when I don't understand it all. And so when we start doing that, guys, when we, when we get to that point where that, that kind of application is taking place, man, it'll transform our lives. Man, we'll, we'll begin to see God just use us in supernatural ways. He'll begin to, 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 to just transform us from the inside out. So that's all I got for you tonight. And so I pray that application becomes a part of your spiritual life. Because if, if we're just studying this stuff and learning it, but we're not applying it, guys, I'm telling you. I mean, and I'm talking about applying this stuff when we're dealing with people, situations, and we don't forget what we were taught. Okay? Look in the book, find out what God's word says, and let it guide your life. Amen? Give the Lord a hand of praise. God bless you.